Hello, hello. My name is Dr. Rachel Gainsborough, and I am obsessed with all things short-term rentals, revenue streams, and helping you navigate your career, real estate, and your busiest and most wonderful seasons of life. I'm an immigrant, a pharmacist, a wife, and a mom who took one guest room rental and turned it into a multi-property seven-figure real estate business, which has also landed us on TV. I'll teach you the real secrets and everything you need to build a short-term rental business that you love. I discuss the hard topics, mistakes I've made, and the mistakes others have made so you don't have to make them for yourself. Financing, automations, acquisitions, low occupancy, scaling, and building your team all while balancing your life are all subjects to be discussed here. Consider me that one best friend you can come to with your short-term rental business questions. So grab your coffee, get comfortable as you get ready to learn and grow with me. This is the Luxury Short-Term Rental Doctor podcast. Without further ado, guys, I want to introduce you to Mike Stone. Mike Stone is a member of our community, the Seven Figure Mastermind community. And so I got to speak with him uh, in person in Cabo. And there's so much power that comes with meeting each other in person. And there could be one or two nuggets that you take away with that can just change the, the trajectory of your whole life. And the energy that I heard from Mike's voice as he shared his story with me, you could see the, the life changing attributes of this particular strategy. So Mike, I cannot wait for everyone to hear about your incredible journey. It's so wonderful to have you here with us, but I would love for you to start off by introducing yourself and tell telling us how you transitioned from being this highfalutin attorney to real estate investor. <laughs> While I was highfalutin, I was not really enjoying the corporate life. And so I've actually always admired your story in that regard. It's similarly, it was you made it a lot farther through the corporate life before I got sick of it. And I, I just needed an alternative. And so I started learning about investing. I started learning about stocks that transitioned into real estate. And then quickly I learned about short-term rentals it, like very early on in my real estate research. And it was cool to see that everything about short-term rentals was on all fours with everything I had learned about real estate, but faster. Getting into properties that you don't own, getting into properties with lower cash in, I learned about arbitrage first before I was uh, a co-host at all. And it was a very quick exit for me. I think six weeks, I know six weeks after I learned what arbitrage was, I was able to quit my job as an attorney and go full-time in this business. And that was the start of the best decision I've ever made. I'm a full-blown entrepreneur now. I'm no ties to W2. Feels good. Now I'm venturing into midterm rentals, which has been another gift. And we're just going to keep developing this. I love it. So what would you say were some of your biggest challenges that you faced as you're transitioning from full-time attorney, those fluffy, what is it, the velvet or golden handcuffs? Golden handcuffs. To, right? Yeah. To taking a chance on yourself. What were some of those biggest challenges and how did you navigate those? I think the two barriers to entry, which I think is also true in midterm rentals specifically, is knowing and doing. It's really as simple as that. So when I was when I decided to become a lawyer, a lot of the reason was financially motivated. I was like, oh, this is a lucrative position. It's always been interesting to me since I was a little kid. Like I preferred law to be a doctor, but I knew I wanted a high paying job. That's what I thought would bring me success. And then as a lot of us now know, it's, that's not necessarily the best path to wealth. And so the biggest challenge after I knew what it was like, all right, how do I execute? I actually have to go do the thing. 
Fortunately, I'm very strong-willed and didn't really have much of a hesitation. I knew going into my first day at work and my big law, like the corporate entity, I knew before I went in that I didn't want to be there for very long. I had just come from a clerkship, which is when you work closely with the judge, learn about the judicial process from behind the bench. And I didn't feel like that either. I loved school. I was good at school, uh, great internships and jobs and friends and whatever, but just, I knew I needed to get out. So then it was a matter of just how do I execute? And that's what put me in the right rooms with people like you, people like Mike Shogren, Julie George. So now if I'm going to do it, let me learn how to do it and then go. And so there was a very quick window of struggle of, uh, is, is it time? Is, I knew it was time. I knew it was time right away. So there wasn't a lot of uh, convincing me to make it happen. There wasn't a lot of challenge and actually pulling the trigger. It was more just going through the motions, actually doing it. It is hard to start a business and it's hard to know everything that you're supposed to be doing. And so it was important to me to learn what that was so that I knew what I was doing was complete and I wasn't missing anything, but also correct. So I could just keep my head down and keep going. I love that. And, and you're absolutely right. So there's knowing and doing. We have a lot of information out there and we're oftentimes bombarded with shiny object syndrome, where to go next, what to do next. But just taking action, action, I believe, brings clarity. Once you take action and you take the next best step and then the next best step and then the next best step, that's what makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. And that's exactly to your point. It brings the clarity of once you take that step, you'll identify what the next confusing steps are. I think a lot of people may get stuck trying to figure out too many steps ahead and they're saying they don't see the path. They don't know that it's going to work because they don't know what the end game looks like or how to get there. And that isn't, that shouldn't stop people. Take the first step. And especially if you're in the right room of coaches, then you'll have the guardrails to know that you're doing the right thing. Oh, I love that. And so Mike, as my brand is more of a luxury short-term rental, luxury mid-term rental brand, and this is what I've been preaching from the very beginning, there has been some nuances and some edits based on different acquisition strategies. But at the end of the day, what I have found again and again, it's the ROE, return on energy. I did the thing where I worked multiple shifts at a hospital between my husband and I, we worked five jobs at one point to tackle half a million dollars in student loan debt, Mike. And cool. so for that reason, I am all in on where can I gain the highest leverage? How do I generate the most amount of revenue using the least number of properties, least number of hours, least number of risk? And so what I have found and what I continue to promote is this midterm rental insurance policyholder strategy. And the reason is that you have over 3 million American families who are displaced from their home in 2022. Three I didn't million know Americans were displaced from their home in 2022. That's obviously that's a million different. potential contracts to me. And so that's one reason. The other reason I love this strategy is because the insurance companies, they saw a surplus of $1.03 trillion. At the end of the, that's when all your, Mike, can you imagine all your bills are paid and what's left over $1.03 trillion? I'll find a way to spend it. <laughs> so I want to work with that sector. I want to tap into that. Start there. That is my mantra. This is why I share it with the community over and over again. Not only do you get to generate a great amount of revenue for yourself, you get to help a family in need. And that's exactly what you did, Mike, when you were able to secure a luxury midterm rental at an impressive $45,000 
per month contract. That's right. That's right. <laughs> my nails aren't even done, guys. I, I, I came in here. My nails not done. I threw some makeup together. No, no professionals were here. I had to come in here. I had to get the story. I've gone on a Star Wars. He- Listen. <laughs> Mike, tell the people and walk us through how you secured a $45,000 per month contract without yeah. owning the property. And I know your net, of course, is different from that number. But could you walk us through that yeah. story? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess the best place to start is with a little bit of the context that I have been doing midterm rentals for at least a year, maybe two years now, where I'm putting in consistent effort to build the relationships with these housing specialists. Things that I've learned from you, things that I've learned just from practice, and then going through these negotiations and learning. One tip that I'll throw out there from when I was just getting started is I would literally play dumb on the phone with these housing specialists. When they would reach out to me, and I would start, even if I knew most or all of the answers to my questions, I would ask, what do you do? Tell me about your company. Oh, that's cool. So these are how you work. This is the, and I would learn different things. Each housing specialist has a different way of presenting their own job, right? And so you learn little nuggets. Oh, that's what the adjuster cares about. Oh, that's what your boss cares about. Oh, that's how your commission is structured. I see. And so you just start asking questions. Once you can put together the whole picture for yourself, then you have all that information at your disposal to use as either ammunition <clears throat> or to to discern the best way to articulate your position on why you should be paid what you should be paid. Learning that, it set me up for a series of successful contracts. And I was constantly tapping into your content as well, learning like, how do you present yourself? How do you present your business? What is important to the insured, the insurer, and certainly the housing specialist? So now that I had some of these relationships and some successful contracts, I now have a good relationship with these people. And so one of those housing specialists in this case, it was from ALE Solutions. They obviously top major brand in the midterm rental space. They reached out to me and asked me if I could help place a family whose home was water damaged. They said in their initial email, 12,000 square feet for the underlying damaged property. At which point I read that line of times <laughs> to make sure that there wasn't typos, but commas were in the right places. And I was, wow, this is crazy. I knew it felt Dr. Rachel, it felt like universal in that moment. I knew I was going to get this contract. And of course, I don't have a property that size in my portfolio, but I will find one. So quick interjection, little ADHD moment. I want to give a shout out to Noble Crawford because he is someone who projects or, or talk, teaches getting the contract and then getting the door. And to your earlier point, Dr. Rachel, about being in the right rooms and meeting you guys in Cabo, it's sometimes just little nuggets. And you understand that things are possible or how to do them. And then you can pull it in for yourself. So between his constant contract to door concept, that makes a lot of sense to me from a risk aversion standpoint. And then your content about how to execute and the confidence that we'll get into maybe Cabo a little bit, what we talked about, but I knew that it was possible at this luxury echelon to do exactly the same thing I've been doing on the standardized commoditized houses at three and four bed. So the process wouldn't have been different. And I was like, I, I can't miss. So I got this 12,000 square foot request and I start, well, I call it bird dogging, contract to door, right? So I start looking on Zillow. Let me find you what you need. I don't have it, but I'm going to figure it out. So I start looking through Zillow. I said, what kind of properties are even in this realm? 
And what I quickly found was fun to look through is there's nothing available in Phoenix, Scottsdale, or the surrounding area at 12,000 square feet. The closest thing we found for rent was 11,000 square feet in Gold Canyon, Arizona, which is basically nowhere in the desert. I wasn't sending anybody there. And so I told the uh, ALE housing uh, specialist, I was like, this is going to be tough. What can we do? And she said the insured family had already rejected several homes at 6,000 square feet. It wasn't nice enough. So I was like, okay, well, that gives me my parameters. I, I reached out to a local realtor, two of them who I have a good relationship with. And I said, listen, they, they operate in the luxury space for home sales. And I was like, listen, guys, whatever you have that is open, available, I don't care if it's listed. I don't care if it's not listed. Send me what I can potentially put a guest in. And they sent me every property that was over 8,000 square feet. It was like 14 of them. And I just started cold calling. And I called all 14 of them. Eventually connected with two different agents who were potentially interested and 12 who thought when I was doing was a scam. And then I, so to cut to the chase, it worked out with one of them better than the other by a large margin. It was, uh, we, we started with one guy who was very frustrated to deal with. Then we went to another person who was happy to have it. By then I knew the budget and I secured the contract and I placed the family in the hole. And then going back and forth with ALE, they were, we were just going back. I, I saw my thread on Gmail. You could see when it summarizes, I had 45 emails in the same thread and we had like two or three threads. So yeah, it was a lot of work for a couple of weeks, but then they were in 45,500. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So guys, if you're listening right now, this is not your normal deal, but hey well worth the back and forth for that amount of revenue. And I think that's amazing. And something I just wrote down on my little sticky note, scam. This is what we're seeing with a lot of just regular homeowners. A lot of them think that these uh, midterm rental strategies are a scam. For those of you who are on the fence and you're thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, who, why would ALE or why would one of these temporary housing agencies work with me when they can go directly to the landlord? Here's a couple of reasons why. The landlords think they're a scam. Some of them just think, I don't understand what this is. It's a scam. No, I'm not going to rent out my property for two months. I'm looking for a 12-month lease. That is a long-term landlord mindset. And that is where I think there's a huge opportunity for us in the space that are versed with the strategy that can uh, educate others, that is such a huge opportunity. And so that was so funny that you said uh, it's a scam. Like they thought it was a scam and they do Most and they don't want to hear anything because they have been scammed before or they hear buyer beware. And so that's something that you do need to overcome. That's a great point. Honestly, I think the Gentlemen who thought it was a scam that I did engage with. A few of them, it's a scam. They just shut off. They wouldn't even engage as well. Number 13, we went back and forth quite a bit. The reason I commend him for doing what he did in protecting his homeowners, that's his job as an agent, is if I were scamming, if I were one of those guys, if you guys are on Verbo, I'm sure you get that net, that message. Hey, I got to pay with a cashier check from my company that'll come. And you're like, bro, no. So he's doing his job protecting his homeowner and certainly an expensive asset. I respect the play. But he ended up leaving $60,000 on the table that he would have made across that amount of time. And so when I met him, his listing was posted at $25,000 a month. And I had known the budget at that point. So when I was talking to him, um, I was like, at first we were talking about the $25,000. It got to a point where we were talking about $37,000. Man, I will give you one and a half of what you're asking for every month. 
And it's completely legit. You can look up Bailey Solutions. You can look up State Farm Insurance. You can look up Mike Stone Group. Like we're all real people doing this. I can show you all my old contracts, the houses I've given. He doesn't care. So it got to a point where with him, where he was like, I want you, Mike Stone, on the lease only. Would have been my company, All Star Hospitality. But it would have been just me. And I was like, listen, man, like you don't understand. If I'm on the lease, your recourse is only against me. And in the event the insurer or the insured doesn't pay, causes damage, causes some sort of headache, you're now only coming against me as whether I close the LLC, then you're screwed. Whether I just can't, don't have the assets to cover whatever it is, a house like this, you could maybe, if it's large enough, bankrupt me in one shot. And then you're only coming against me. Said, so you want the insurer on the lease. You want the insured on the lease. Is no, we want an Arizona standardized real, realtor's lease with no changes. I can't give you that, man, because you're putting me in jeopardy and I don't want to do that. Yeah. And so Dr. Rachel, we should definitely cover more about the arbitrage risk profile. But here I was smart enough to cover my risk, but I ended up not working with that guy. I told the guest, it's like, listen, I'm sorry, but the only way this would work out is to put myself in a position of such risk that I don't even want to take this book. Yeah. I said, yeah. there are other homes that are available. Can we please keep looking? So at that point I was directly in touch with the insured family. And so it was actually a little inappropriate. You're not supposed to do that. But I was like, please, let's keep doing this. We got to figure this out. Yeah. So when we did figure it out, she found another home where the agent was completely understanding, completely open to it. She had her reservations. Is this a scam? And once I explained the whole thing, her broker looked us all out. She said, oh, this is legit. And once we crossed that threshold of this is legit and I wrote up the contract, helped be an attorney, I had to do 50 versions of the stupid contract. But once I did, it was all good. And everything just went super smooth at that point. That's awesome. And you know what? I do want to, I do want to rewind a little bit because what, what I think is interesting is your attorney background served you well here, right? Yeah. To number one, you want to de-risk the deal, right? <laughs> you want to make sure the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed. And I absolutely love that. So nothing is lost. And for those of you who are fighting it out at your W2 right now, thinking to yourself, you know what? I just Whoa. need to get out of here. I want you to just capture every single nugget you can working at that W2, whether you're a manager in the hospital, managing other people. Those are the tricks and the strategies that I still use in my business. A lot of that stuff came from some dub training as well. And so good on you. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Rachel, that real quick, I just want to say that actually hits home for me quite a bit because I really hated my time as an attorney and as a judicial clerk. I, it was pretty awful, but those skills are so transferable. I, not just attorney, even before that, I was working in bars and doing like hospitality that way, restaurant style as bar back, food runner, server, bartender, manager, the whole thing. And it's not the greatest job. I like the people I worked with, but it's not an amazing, but so much of it transfers. Actually, even as an attorney, one of the things I hated was my construction defects lawsuits, also dealing with insurance companies and dealing with homes and dealing with problems with homes. All of those things I learned when I would go to these sites and watch these homes falling apart translated into maintenance and who's at fault and how to understand what's guys if you are in a w2 focus on transferable skills if you know that you're not going to be in this w2 forever then it doesn't matter how good you are at doing that job it's it's going to matter how good you become better at whatever you can output in the next job so take the skills that you're learning enjoy that part of it don't worry about the things that aren't going to matter to you in a year or two years or five years just get good at what you can get good at and then make sure that you're amazing at it when you leave Love that. So let's talk a little bit more about luxury because sure. what I love 
about the luxury properties. And for those of you who are realtors, don't come for me. <laughs> we don't necessarily have to break the bank. When it comes to luxury real estate, yes, they're looking for multi-million dollar properties. But when it comes to the luxury traveler experience or luxury hospitality, it's not really that per se, right? What we're dealing with is answering to the need of a particular client. You're looking for a 12,000 square foot, you didn't find it, but you're able to retrofit this family into an 8,000 square foot home, trying to identify exactly what it is that is going to move the needle for them to get them to say yes. For me, size is something that is scarce in our market. So a larger home, four bedroom, five bedroom, six bedroom is going to have the potential to leverage a luxury attribute because it is larger and not a lot of people are willing to uh, take that leap into a four plus bedroom where, you know, it's easier to go into a one bedroom or a studio. And so for me, one of the keys to luxury, especially when it comes to hospitality, is uh, communication, is connection, is a convenience for our guests. And size is one of the attributes that play into that as well. And then we're able to reposition. So what would you say are some of the specifics of this particular property that you found that stood out to you as far as, you know what, this might work? Give us the bedroom count. Give us an idea of the location that you determined would work for this family. Sure. Yeah. And to start, I want to touch on, you just use the word easier. And it's ironic because it feels easier to go into a smaller home, but I completely agree with you. I think that it's going to be easier when you're in the nicer property. I started a five bedroom, for example, that we were going to launch. I still haven't put it on Airbnb because we got a midterm rental a month sooner than it would have launched on Airbnb. And it was a, a five bedroom that the housing specialist wanted a four bedroom. And I, listen, if you could pay a little bit more, much nicer house. And Phoenix Scottsdale Five is about our cutoff. It's plenty of four bedrooms, but there's not a ton of five. So to your point of scarcity, like in Atlanta, you have that four plus, ours is like five plus. So it's so much easier to fill because you can either just meet them at what would have been maybe a four bedroom rate and it's still going to cover your expenses, make you happy. And then you just coasting. It's, this guy was there for six or eight months. So it was just very easy. I would have taken that at a slightly lower rate anyway. But you have so much more opportunity to fill and then also charge that premium and certainly the scarcity. You, Dr. Rachel, made a great point that gave me the confidence in this deal. When we were in Cabo, you were explaining how families with luxury properties are who experience the fire flutter substantial remodel are more willing to drive farther to go accommodate uh, or find an accommodation that is large enough to make them feel comfortable, to replace the same level of property. So a lot of times it's a 10 mile radius with ALE Solutions and their competitors for standardized homes. But at this one, she was coming from, I don't remember if it was six or seven from her underlying damaged property, which mind you was her backup home. Her primary residence was in Manhattan. So her backup home was the 12,000 square foot one under water damage. That one, um, and when she was looking around, like I knew the 6,000 wouldn't fly because that wasn't good enough. The one she actually ended up choosing, ironically, I presented to her first and she said it wasn't homey enough. And so we kept looking, ended up circling back to it. But so things like that. And she wanted to be in a certain area of North Scottsdale that's particularly affluent where she grew up. That was her tie to Arizona. She grew up here, moved to New York, wants to be back near that residence. They always want to be near their home. She was willing to go a little bit farther to be in our neighborhood she was familiar with because she knew it was a great area to be in. So she said, if you find anything, especially if it's gated, like I want this. She wanted something really nice. So that was it. She wanted to make sure that we checked all those boxes of, of quality, size. I knew I had to find at least five, six bedrooms, which was funny because she actually, it was just an elderly woman, her elderly husband, and a dachshund. 
but she knew she was having family coming for Thanksgiving. She's like, we need six bedrooms or whatever. Seven house. Man, this, let's find it. Let's find it. So it's whatever it was, even if it's just for that Thanksgiving weekend, she needed that much space. I wasn't going to let this contract go. Oh, I love it. Get off of mute. No, I love it. Oh my gosh. So and, and the mindset, right? She knows that this is what her property is worth. This is what she's entitled to in terms of her quality of life, her way of living. And that dictated what she asked for. And, and I love when guests, they advocate for themselves. Not all of them will advocate for themselves. One of the biggest misconceptions that I've seen is your potential guest thinks that my monthly rent is, or my monthly mortgage is $1,800 a month. So my temporary housing must be $1,800 a month. That's one of the biggest misconceptions. It ends up not even being close. It's, and what was funny in this case, but often applies in other cases too, when you get to learn the budget. In this case, the uh, housing specialist was like, I've never seen coverage like this before in any case I've ever worked. So I knew I was working with this astronomical figure. The house that I ended up not taking, the 37,000, I spoke with Ailey and I knew that they had up to 50,000 of coverage. There was a very good reason that I actually don't want to get into on right now with why I ended up dropping the price five grand for the next house. But I knew that I had 50,000 of coverage and that I had to drop the five. So I was just maxing out their budget. It's funny how when you know their budget, that suddenly becomes your price. So, and it, it doesn't have to be they came from 1,800 square, 1,800 a month or 1,800 square feet. It could come from they have the coverage because they have a great policy and the coverage covers 7,000 a month. Okay, well, let's find you something within the scope of 7,000 a month. I'll find you the nicest home within that coverage, but you can push them into something better. I have a couple of families right now who are actually, we're in okay homes and they're in pretty nice furnished accommodations right now. And I'm making a great rate and my client, the homeowner is making a great rate. So it, it, it's, that's the nice thing about working in the insurance space. You get the best of, the, of all worlds. You get the maximum budget of the insurance. You get the housing specialist who's not negotiating on behalf of the insurer. They cover their not. They don't really care. They just want the contract done so they get their commission. And then you get the guest who wants the nicest possible home. And sure, happy to find you the nicest, most expensive possible home. It's the perfect world as long as it fits within the budget. That's the only game you have to play is make sure it fits within the budget. So quick tip, what I do on that is when I have those conversations with the housing specialist, I'll say, hey, listen, here's the price. If this price doesn't work, come back to me. I always blame the homeowner. I'll talk to the homeowner. Let me see if there's something I can do. This way, at least I don't lose the booking. They come back to me and then that could be the next price. Phone call, I'm sorry, guys. So that, that ends up becoming the, uh, the plan. They say, hey, you come back to me and I'll find you something, whether it's another home or a better price on this home. Don't go searching. Just come back to me and I'll, I'll make it happen. And that's how you build relationships. And they're like, oh, Mike's always taking care of me. Even Mike, when Mike doesn't have the, uh, the house, he'll go figure it out for me. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And you hit the nail on the head, Mike. And so for those of you who are just joining us, welcome, welcome. Drop any questions you have in the chat. Feel free to ask all of your questions here. Okay, I see comments from the community. Monica, I love the energy you put into um, this mission in order to gain relationships and gain the bag. Yeah, Mike is <laughs> completely energized. Yes. Uh, okay, so... Tiffany says that this is better. It was an echo on Insta. So for those of you guys who are encountering an echo, we are in a Facebook group as well. We're doing our best to minimize it, but we want to make sure that uh, you guys could get this tea. Mike is spilling a tea on a $45,000 plus 
per month contract, guys. He shared this win with me over the weekend. And I said, you know what, Mike? Makeup isn't here. My nails aren't done. I don't care. I did my own makeup, as you can tell. I feel like the liner on this side is doing something. Okay, so I'm getting a, a horrible feedback situation. I can't hear you now, but let me know if you need me to switch them. Yeah, let me see. Let me know if you can join me in the Facebook group, guys, if the feedback is horrible. I see you there, Tara, but I do want to make sure that you get this T on this insurance contract. It is so important uh, that you get this T. Join us in, in the Facebook group. I hear that the feedback. Sure. Oh, there. I'm going in and out of my mute, so I'm not exactly sure how to do it. I need like a, Mike, I need like a full-time producer. I was like, I need somebody to just come and press buttons for me so that I don't have to worry. Way too many buttons and abbreviations. I know. It's, I'm trying to learn video editing recently and it's just, it's a challenge. It is. But nevertheless, guys, I'm just, again, so excited for this amazing midterm rental insurance contract that Mike received. And so, Mike, could you tell us a little bit about your net income from this contract? How are you getting paid from this? Because it sounds like you did all of this work let us know a little bit about that particular structure. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess this was a little tiny bit different than traditional arbitrage because of how it presented itself, which is contract and then the door. Bird dogging is what I call it. They came to me and said, I need this. I have this need. I didn't already have the house in my portfolio. For full context, generally, when I get a lead like this, I look at my portfolio. Hey, Mike, we need something in 85254 Scottsdale. We're looking for Three or four bedrooms for two people and a dog. No problem. I have that. Here's the price. I don't have to go back to the homeowner and ask for permission. I have complete control over the property. I don't have to worry about what price I can set. I know that my goal is just to make them the most possible money as a co-host or the flat rate as an arbitrage, where as long as that's, you know, the arbitrage is exceeded and I'm happy with my cut, or as long as the co-host is truly what I think the best possible outcome is for both of us, percentage, commission, we both want to make the most money in rent. And so as long as those two things are hit, you're good. In this case, I was going with kind of the opposite and I knew that it was an ex extraordinary budget. By the time I got the second homeowner, whom I paid $33,000 a month, I knew that the budget was going to be 50 minus five. So I had that just in hand. So when I went to all of these people, but specifically the one that worked, I just presented already adding value. I went to this agent. I said, I already have someone. You're already listed on Zillow looking for a tenant. I got your tenant. Not only do I have your tenant, I have it at the price you want. And it's going to be the best possible tenant you could have because it is guaranteed by an insurance company. State Farm's not going out of business. And they're not running away where they're not going to pay you. And then the guest is just two people and a little tiny dog. Like, we're all good. Actually, we did have to move a $200,000 piano out of the living room because of the dog. But still... Nonetheless, so it was just a, an ideal guest otherwise. And so it was very easy to have that conversation with the agent and the homeowner. Once we got through the scam step, obviously, I was like, listen, like, they can't, it can't be beat. So when I'm offering them the 33000 they don't know at that point about the total coverage. I know that my number is 45.5 and that they want 33. I give it to them. They say, okay, I'm just here in the middle. Now, if I were co-hosting, my rate is 25% of rent revenue, and that would have actually ended up being around the same. I made like an extra grand in this case. If it were arbitrage, the only difference would have been the order of operations where maybe I would have known Cindy, the homeowner in advance, had a contract with her that I pay her 33 no matter what, had a risk profile of, holy shit, I better make $33,000 each month. 
And then now it's, I have to beat that, but I find the guess and now I keep the difference. In this case, I don't have that, oh, 33. I have no obligations to absolutely anybody. I just show up and say, hey, if you let this guest stay in your home, we all make money. What do you think? And it's just such a different dynamic. I'm not a fan of arbitrage anymore. I've arbitraged six units. No, I've arbitraged 10 units. Six are still in my portfolio. Four of them I did not like. And I think the risk profile doesn't make sense, which is why I switched to co-hosting. I am very adamant about that. But in this world where you can get the contracts and then get the door, especially in the luxury space where it's the same amount of work and the same amount of no risk, like there, there just isn't a better strategy that I can conceive of than having no risk and high return. Oh, I love that. And so guys, this is why I'm here. So this is why, guys, we are all in on teaching you guys about this MTR wealth strategy. For those of you who may own a property or who may not own a property quite yet, and you're looking for a way to get into real estate, but yet de-risk, this is a great opportunity. And this is what we're doing in the MTR Wealth Arbitrage Academy, where we're showing you how to find a property, leverage that for a midterm rental. The difference between what you're renting for and what the insurance is willing to pay is so significant that it makes, it matters, right? You can earn nearly in your annual rent in two or three months with this particular strategy. And this is how we personally got started. I remember I got uh, an inquiry on uh, Zillow from a guy, I remember his name to this day, his name is Jesus. And Jesus asked me, Mike, he goes, do you have an opening for this particular property? And I responded, yes. I didn't because you always say yes. Yeah, sure. We'll make it work out. Yes, yes. What are you looking for? He goes, we're willing to pay a premium. And so that was the difference to me. Oftentimes you don't hear someone coming up to you saying, I'm willing to pay a premium. I was like, oh, a premium. Are we talking about in this particular market? It's in the Southeast. Are we talking like $16,000, $17,000 a month? And he goes, yes. And the market rents for a four bedroom was about dollars $2,600 a month. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And so that is how we actually leverage renting out a property. We actually leverage arbitrage uh, for this particular strategy. And it worked for us over and over again. We've been doing this particular strategy since 2018. And we have a lot of members who have said to me, you know what? I, I need to find a way to get started, but I don't have. 20% down or 25% down to purchase a property and they don't quite have enough experience under their belt to do the co-hosting strategy. And so absolutely love the strategy. You leverage a property in a market where there is a need. You set up that property. You de-risk yourself by creating um, your leases or providing leases that make sense for your model. And I absolutely love it. So Again, massive congratulations, but you did talk a little bit about some cautionary tales that we need to take into consideration because there's a lot of success in our community, a lot of opportunities. And, but what we know with real estate investing is that there are challenges. So I want to take a couple minutes to address any challenges or any warning signs that you can share, Mike, that you may have uh, experienced or that you want other future investors to look out for. What are some red flags? Once you see it, you say, you know what? I'm not going to go in that direction because that's a potential for a negative deal. I think that's going to help someone in the community today. I think that's a really good question. And there's a couple thoughts I have. 
first I'll keep it brief and I have other videos on my Instagram about it, but I'm no longer a fan of arbitrage in general, where you commit yourself to a 12 month lease and then go start chasing guests. Instead, I do like arbitrage the Dr. Rachel way where you have guests and then find them a home that changes the risk profile completely. I have lost a lot of money on four arbitrage deals that did not go well. I have recovered that money by doing arbitrage the correct way. It is and co-host. It is so much safer to go that direction. The best thing you could do is just start building relationships. It costs you nothing to build relationships. And that is so much more lucrative than setting yourself up for the arbitrage risk. In addition to that, here's one thing that I didn't realize until way later. I had a lot of energy, right? When I was coming into this space, it was exciting. It was investing. I had just been coming off making money really well in the stock market to start this business in the first place. I took the first two deals that I that came to me. The first one I still have to this day, it spits off cash like crazy. It's a fourplex that I arbitrage, but it is some of the most challenging guests because it is a low quality property. Again, the, oh, some, the risk profile doesn't make sense. It happens to be going well because I'm running it well, but the return on energy, Dr. Rachel, that is one of my favorite lines. That is one of my favorite lines. Yes, that, as an investor, that is a, an unquantifiable important detail. The amount of time I've spent in that property doesn't compare to four, six, or 10 other properties that I could be running that more or less run themselves. Once you get a good guest in there, a good guest in a good property at a good rate, guys, that's the direction. I would say this. When you're coming into the space, full head of steam, or coming into the space nervous, the best thing you could do would be to avoid obligating yourself to a commitment that you don't understand and instead take a no-risk approach Definitely get into the space, right? I said two barriers entry, knowing and doing it. Dr. Rachel, you don't have one excuse. You only have one remaining excuse and it's to go do the thing that Dr. Rachel says to do. Go do the thing, but start building the relationships. Come in where they say, oh, you, you said you have properties in San Diego? I, even if you don't, I can find properties in San Diego. I'm a broker. This is what I did. Make up a story that is the truth, but that you can actually deliver when they reach out to you. That's actually free. Then... I would say I also recommend the co-host strategy. Even if you find this, you can say, hey, why don't we go 75, 25 on this deal? Or like I did in this luxury case, why don't you just lock in this price? This owner now is going to take this price for five months and after that wants to continue co-hosting together. So it's an opportunity for you to grow your presence, grow your portfolio, grow your skill set without being already on a lease. Start for free, get money in, get relationships in, and then build your business that way. Yes, I love the way you said that the return on energy is not quantifiable. <laughs> but it's pecuniary. It's certainly a financial benefit to not be sucked into a product like that. So it is not quantifiable, but it is certainly a financial concern. For sure, for sure. So guys, as we wrap up, I have one final personal reflection question to you. Mike, so tell us what has been the most rewarding part of this journey for you from successful attorney to real estate investor? Oh, that's a great question. I, I to to let me, let me combine. The freedom that I, that this business has given me to control my own life and schedule has 
almost nothing to do with the financial freedom I thought I was chasing. It's funny, I'm now so deep into this and I love it so much that I don't want more money so I can work less. I want more money because that's the game, but I want to keep working. Like I enjoy these building these relationships. I enjoy part two of where my brain just went is networking with people like you, Dr. Rachel, like Mike Shogren, Kyle Stanley, Noble Crawford, Julie Jordan, all the people who are Jesse Vasquez is my other MTR coach. Like being around all of you guys on a regular basis, it's nuggets, it's fun, it's strategic, putting our heads together. How do you do this? How do you do this differently? How do you improve this? I'll tell you, I was literally doing the same thing you were doing, but not on a luxury level and having that conversation with you. Not only do we have a blast in Cabo, but then I come home and now I just made this contract because I knew what to do because we spoke. It's as simple as that. So the number one thing that I would say is get in the room. It's fun. It's fulfilling. It gives you the energy to then go home and do the work. And it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm just getting through work, which I mean, we all know what the W2 life feels like. How much work do I have to do to get my paycheck? This feels like how much work do I get to do to go build my empire? It's a whole other, it's a whole other experience. So jump all in, go all in and go with coaches. Absolutely. I love that. And we did have a lot of fun and I look forward to more of those adventures with you, my dear friend. And so folks, Mike, one of the first things I messaged him when he shared his story was, Mike, action takers and money makers, bro. Seriously, you took action and you have the receipts. So I know that you are passionate, so passionate about it that you're actually mentoring the future generation of MTR hosts and SCR hosts with some things that you have coming down the pipe. How can you, how can our listeners uh, connect with you for some more insights into well, what you're doing in the real estate world? I appreciate the plug. <laughs> I am coming out with a lot of new content recently. It's been fun learning how to do that, but I'm trying to teach people midterm rentals. It feels like we have the new kid on the block vibe, Dr. Rachel. This is, people are struggling with short-term rentals for all the, I don't totally buy into the Airbnb bus. I think the best operators are still doing fine, but that leaves a lot of operators who are not doing fine. And midterm rentals can really help them out. Midterm rentals can be in a strategy in and of itself. Midterm rentals can unlock luxury and unlock access to real estate in ways where you don't need capital. Um, so if you want to learn more about that, certainly reach out to me on Instagram. It's probably the best way. I have a course coming out. I'm partnering with Tommy Sadita. Many of you may know him from Mike Shogren's Mastermind. He's leading the short-term rental success side of our coaching program. I'm leading the midterm rental machine side of our coaching program. And it's two separate products. We're doing both deals and trying to help people learn how to get into this space in a more complete way so that they can activate what I call the hybrid strategy. A lot of us call it that now of MTR first, the best guests, high paying guests. Let's get that as your priority and then fill vacancies with short-term rentals and learn the full complete hospitality business package. That'll really optimize your money at the end of the year when you get to get better contracts year round and you don't really deal with seasonality. And all the vacancies are plugged with short-term rentals. So that's what I'm teaching is the hybrid strategy with Tom. You can meet me uh, on Instagram or find me on Instagram at Mike Stone Group. And then I will direct you to all my other stuff. I have a consulting business, STR Ignite. I have full service co-hosting business, all-star hospitality. If you're in Phoenix and Scottsdale and the surrounding area, I don't particularly want to go out of state yet, but I can do consulting with you. So that is what I'm up to lately. Just trying to get the good information out there, help more people do what I did because you guys helped me and I want to pay it forward. I love that. And just congratulations, Mike. I love seeing the next generation of educators coming out. I know Vivian Yip, Ruben Kanya, now you. We have so many people who have leveraged the mentorship that we have provided to then spear out 
off and provide their own flavor. Yeah. Adele, folks, I really hope that you got a lot of great information from the content that we shared today. Again, luxury midterm rentals is one of the most lucrative sectors of real estate investing. And what I love about using the arbitrage method, the midterm rental wealth arbitrage method, is you can get in without investing tens of thousands of dollars. And the reason we launched it really, Mike, was the, the people were asking for it. You asked for it. We put it together. This is a work in progress since July. Uh, we've had to keep it under wraps. So since July, we've been working on getting this program together. And now we have officially launched our founding members, our Midterm Rental Academy. Arbitrage Academy is not just a course. It's a, a whole pathway to real estate success, especially for busy professionals who are looking for that handholding. So if you're interested in becoming a founding member, we do have a Cyber Monday sales ending tonight with all the bonuses. Just go to mtrarbitrage.com or shorttermgems.com slash arbitrage so that we can dive in to midterm rentals without the hefty investment of purchasing a property if you're not there yet. Although we do understand that this is a stepping stone for generational wealth, but this is your opportunity to get guided, to get your hand held, to get that clear starting point, just like Mike did. Mike was really intentional about investing in himself and making sure that he uh, showed up in the rooms. He had the right uh, mentorship and he named quite a few mentors that he leveraged. I know I have several mentors myself and that's how we're able to build out this program for the future generation. So thank you all for joining us. Uh, be sure to connect with us on social. Give Mike a follow. Uh, just keep up with him. He's bringing down some amazing things down the pike. Guys, I love you all to the moon and back. And again, I hope you got some great insights from our session today. And with that being said, Dr. Rachel saying goodbye for now. 